Welcome to the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency, helping you do more and be better. And now here's your host, Zachary Sexton. Thank you for tuning into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today I have with me John Polstra. Welcome, John. Thanks. Good to be here. Hey, it's good to have you on. We haven't talked in a bit, but John and I have connected twice over the summer in your hometown of Portland, Oregon. I was up for a conference there, and then once again near my stomping grounds in Fort Worth, Texas. That's right. And one of the unique things... and <laughs> I had to apologize because I kind of poo-pooed the idea. But one of the unique things about you, John, is you've got this weird obsession with this subject that m- many people might find pretty dry. And that obsession is around meetings. And the reason why I had to apologize is because you excitedly came up to me in a Chipotle. And it's like, Zach, what do you think about meetings? And I'm like, I don't know. They're kind of boring. Um, <laughs> And the next day I found out that that was your that was your thing. That's what you obsessed of, which makes complete sense. Mike obsesses about email. Um, you know, I like to obsess over documentation. So we all have our weird productivity obsessions because I think we just like to have things run efficiently. So before we dive in, you've got some great content that you're going to share with us about how to run effective meetings. But can you give us a bit of your background about you know, what you're doing right now, what your background is, um, how did you get effective, and where did you get this passion around meetings? Okay. I'm a program manager and manage a team of program managers at an open source software company called Red Hat. Uh, and a program manager, sometimes people aren't really sure what that term means. It's, well, for the sake of, ex- we'll just say project manager, just to make it clear to most people. Um, and in this role, I facilitate a lot of meetings around software development and product releases. And I'll now have a team of people that work for me also doing the same. And so over the course of managing a variety of different software releases, have just kind of come to find, you know, things that work well at meetings and things that don't work well at meetings. All right. Well, that's, that's good to know. And you've been with this company for quite some time and you've yeah. been running these meetings for uh, how right. long is that? I've been uh, coming up on 12 years at Red Hat. Um, the the meeting thing probably kicked in, I don't know, five or six years ago. I was uh, in a time of kind of wanting to, you know, put more tools in my toolbox. And I was taking a bunch of classes at Portland State University. And I happened into this facilitating meetings class and did not realize what I had signed up for. <laughs> it was two full days of facilitating mock meetings and I was like, I thought I was just going to learn how to do meetings, not actually have to do them. And in the process of doing that, I was like, wait a minute, this is like really good stuff. This could actually work. Let me try it. And it did. And then it started increasing my efficiency and productivity and running meetings. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. Awesome. Awesome. I like that backstory. It's <laughs> like you accidentally signed up for a class and then all of a sudden it's the thing that's uh, that's really helped, helped you out in your career. Yeah. And yeah. It was like, a, I mean... Yeah, it was it was it really surprised me because, yeah, I had never really seen myself as like a meeting facilitator and really, you know, taking on that role. But once I tried some of these techniques and they worked and the meetings got better, I was like, well, I got to do more of this. Sounds good. Now, before we get into the meat of potatoes, the uh, actually how, um, how some of these tactics and strategies that you use. I want to get into the problem a little bit, just to remind people, 
hey, you know, maybe your meetings aren't the best in the world, but yeah, who cares, right? No, <laughs> you should care. Um, what are some of those hidden costs of poorly run meetings? So I recently did a webinar with Mike Vardy over at Productivityist. And this is based on um, some of the information that Mike pulled together. Um, some of the stats we had here was one study indicated that $37 million per year is wasted on unproductive meetings. 92% of surveyed meeting attendees confess to multitasking at meetings. And on average, four hours per week is spent preparing for status update meetings. So just a lot of meeting waste going on. And then uh, I guess, and then one other stat here too was on average, an employee spends one third of their time in meetings, which I can definitely relate to. And I have some colleagues and friends that spend even more time than that in meetings. So if people are spending one third of their time in meetings, I almost think the cost of meetings has to be in the billions. Because if you think of you know, an average employee makes $50,000 a year, and then that larger percentage of their time is just directly towards not actually producing, that cost seems much more massive to me. Yeah, Mike Vardy also referenced a um, study from readytalk.com. Their calculations there was that, using some basic metrics, was that something like $20,000 per month is spent on meetings at an average company. Oh, okay. Oh, so we're talking an average company. All right, that makes a little bit more sense. So, in, in you were saying 30% of the time, so, you know, up to 10 hours uh, a week, potentially, people are, are spending in meetings. And, you know, everyone probably has their own own personal stories uh, and knowing what they've done, what they've, uh, how much attention they've paid in meetings or maybe facilitated meetings that went on and didn't go the direction they wanted. Uh, so, how do you help people facilitate meetings that are actually effective, that that connect the right people, that produce the right results, that, you know, hold hold people accountable, uh, all those good things. So in working with Mike Vardy, we, we created a little course around this idea and that, to, to kind of crystallize some of these principles. And so we have this little acronym called MAP. MAP stands, the idea of a MAP, which is, you know, you want to get somewhere and what's the best way to get there? Well, Maybe in the case of meetings, that is minutes, agenda, and people. So we've kind of broken that down into to, to three different areas. When you get each of those areas right, the meetings tend to run better. All right. Well, minutes, agenda, and people, pretty easy to remember. Why don't we go into that first one first, minutes? Are you writing something down on every minute or who's doing this? Who's responsible for this? What, what does that look like? That's an interesting one. And that's part of one of the techniques that I discovered and started implementing in my role at Red Hat. So Red Hat is all about open source software. And I, at the time, I was working on a very community-facing project called the Fedora Project. And in that community, and we're basically de developing a Linux distribution. And we were using a collaborative text editor to... I think we were taking notes or something. So this is like a globally distributed community. There's no way anyone, everyone could meet in the same room. And we were starting to use this collaborative text editor where everyone could see everyone typing. This is before Google Docs. And, and I started to think, you know, I wonder if we could use that a technique inside the company to actually do meeting minutes. So one of the things that, that I started using was a shared document that everyone could see and update at the same time. 
In the process of doing that, I'm still acting as a facilitator. I guess what I recommend to get back to your question. Yeah, I recommend that there's a facilitator, someone that's kind of in charge of the meeting and kind of moving it forward and keeping it on track. That's typically been my role as a facilitator. And so as we're capturing these things that are going on, I have a little acronym to uh, go for the, uh, that goes with the uh, meeting minutes, which is WOOT. Acronym Inception. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. So how, what does WOOT look like? And I take it this is an acronym for creating effective minutes. That is correct. So W. All right, so W stands for what got discussed and decided. O stands for the outcome and next steps or actions. O stands for owner, who's really going to own these next steps and actions. And then T stands for time those actions will be completed by. And just to give a little more uh, substance to each of those, what got discussed and decided, you know, if there's really nothing to decide or discuss to get to a decision, do you really need to have a meeting? Are there other forms of communication that get, could get you to the same place? Uh, something to consider there. And, and our acronym does work backwards. So we're kind of thinking with the end in mind, the old Stephen Covey principle here. So thinking of the minutes, you know, what do you want those minutes to look like? And is there, are you going to have good content in those meeting, in those minutes? Outcome and next steps or actions, you want those to be as explicitly clear as possible. Like what really needs to happen here? Um, and then an owner. It's really common, at least in my workplace and I've seen in others, to assign actions to kind of an amorphous team or a group. And you just kind of never really know, like, who's getting this thing done? So having a really, a, like, someone's name next to that thing, and preferably one person's name that you can go to to find out whether it got done or not. And then a time, uh, a specific date. It doesn't have to be necessarily a specific time, but a date always helps as opposed to, yeah, that'll be done tomorrow or by the end of the week, which once the minutes are you know completed, kind of loses its context because you don't really know like when that is. So kind of twofold to your question there, shared document in terms of creating the minutes has been hugely effective as well as kind of making sure you get these things in those minutes. Would everyone be maybe have that same shared document up so they could potentially add notes or questions or comments on the, maybe let's say people are using a Google Doc now, would that be helpful or do you think that would be disruptive to the meeting? I find it to be hugely helpful because the culture of the company that I work in, most people bring computers to meetings. Um, so, and I know that there's a, there are different philosophies on that. So my company, you know, it's not unusual. Everyone typically brings a laptop to a meeting. So I find that it is actually a way to keep people focused because the understanding that I have with people is if you're at my meeting, you know there's a shared document, I'm taking action items, you can see them in real time, and 10, 15 minutes after the meeting is over, these meetings, these minutes are done. I'm sending them out. So it tends to keep people engaged, particularly when you're assigning action items, because I'll have people go in and say, well, wait a minute, I didn't commit to that. And I'm like, well, no problem. Just change the words, you know, change the words to reflect what you're really going to do. And, you know, everyone else is kind of seeing in real time what those changes are. And so I find it's a really good way to build consensus quickly without expressly, you know, having to always build that consensus. Yeah, that that's, that's really smart. I like that idea a lot. I was going to say 
at Asian Efficiency, we do keep minutes and we keep them all in our uh, in Confluence is actually where we keep a lot of our database. The one thing that we don't have is our timestamp because we will say who's accountable to it and it'll actually at them and it'll ping them in the in their inbox and Confluence the outcome and the the owner and what exactly it is. But the time is something we don't have and I think that lets things slip. And the mm-hmm. other thing is if one person, Marmel is actually often the person on our team that takes the notes, is taking the notes. Nobody else is there seeing it or reviewing it in real time. So Marmel may hear one thing and I hear another thing. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Maybe I didn't commit to this. What's going on? Like, why, why am I doing this thing? I, I thought I said I was going to do that. Uh, so I really like that idea. And I think it would actually help with engagement too, because you're sitting there seeing what you're on the hook for and what you're not versus just kind of sitting back and, and hanging out. So I, yeah, I think the, the minutes alone would dramatically increase the likelihood because if you're just talking and, and there's no actual written hard copy of who committed to what, it's real easy to snake your way out of it or just say, ah, that didn't happen. What, what are you guys talking about? So, well, no, and it also cuts down that horrible feedback loop. So the minutes are created in a vacuum. They get sent out a, a day or two after the meeting. Then you have that horrible email thread of what you just described. I didn't sign up for. That's not what we agreed about. That's not what we talked about. And so... I say it eliminates that in probably 99% of the cases that I've experienced it. Great. That's wonderful. And where do you where do you store those? Do you have any organization system for keeping the minutes? Do you put them in Dropbox or Evernote or have some timestamped hierarchy or where so do they where, where, again, this comes back to the whole open source uh, software culture. We're really big on mailing lists. So I tend to rely on the, archi- the, the mailing list archive and I can link to that. So typically in my minutes, I will have a line that links back to the previous minutes. So a URL to those minutes. Um, other, other program managers take different approaches. We have a, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It, we call it Mojo, but it, it's some CMS. So some people like to store the minutes on the CMS. Um, but yeah, that all kind of depends. And in my experience, I know some people are really big on archiving minutes my experience of needing to go backwards in minutes is not like back more than a meeting or two is pretty rare. I mean, I know there are companies where that happens and, and I think that's more a reflection of the company culture of, you know, people trying to protect themselves or play politics or, you know, stuff that's very unpleasant. So, um, yeah, in terms of archiving minutes, I am not huge on that. I, but that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. I, I can see that. Uh, it, with us, we do have an archive for all of our different projects of our minutes. And the one benefit, I was actually just talking about it on a coaching call that I was on with uh, with Fabian just an hour ago, how I actually really enjoy going back and, and looking at those every once in a while. It's, mm-hmm. There's no real productive benefit to it other than, man, look how far we've come from here, and, I, and for some reason, yesterday I was looking at some of the original min- minutes for starting the productivity show, and I was like, "God, man, like that's what we were thinking two years ago when we originally had this idea of creating a weekly show around productivity." And look how far we've come. So there well, is I, that one benefit of seeing the 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 progress that you've you've had. Totally, but totally. as far as yeah, efficiency, I, you're right. You just well, need and, to know what 
what happened in the last maybe one or two meetings. A, a quick a quick hack there is, especially if you're using Google Docs, is you can have one doc where you just, or, well, I've seen people do this two different ways. Just have one doc that's always the minutes and you just keep putting the minutes below. So the, the new minutes mm. are always at the top and then it just kind of goes in reverse chronological order. So you can, but, you know, over time that doc can become ginormous. So, but that's an easy way to do it too. Or a folder with each one dated. True. It, may, it may be compiling a month of minutes and then a year of minutes. So you can kind of click, 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 mm-hmm. get, get to where you needed quickly. Um, yeah, all good options. And it's those options are there because the software is there. So it's, it's nice that we don't have to rely on either paper or um, uh, just having it somewhere hidden on, the, on some server or hard drive uh, that will never see the light of day and that people can actually collaborate in real time. So that's, that's cool. All right, so we, we've only gotten through one letter, the M. <laughs> let's, let's talk about A, agenda. All right, so agendas, um, the acronym here is CAT, clarity around what needs to be discussed or decided. Notice we keep coming back to that. Anticipated outcome and time allotted or planned. So clarity is, again, the whole idea of, of starting with the end in mind. A lot of times I'll sit down with an agenda as I'm preparing for a meeting and I'll think, okay, what do I want this meeting to look like? What do I want the vibe to be like? Where do I think we're going to get stuck? Where do I think we'll get some easy wins? Um, so just being really clear as you're creating those topics in the agenda, what really needs to be discussed or decided here? And sometimes as you're creating the agenda, you'll realize, oh my goodness, this topic, this topic could fill three meetings. Well, maybe you want to set up a special meeting to cover that topic. Maybe add a little, you know, note to that and maybe schedule that meeting in advance. So when you get to that topic on the agenda, you say, yeah, I realize this is a huge topic. We can't solve it today or discuss it today, but I've already set up another meeting for it. The second one, anticipated outcome, that's, that's starting with the end in mind. What do you think is going to happen here? The other thing I often do is if you have a topic that you know that's going to be controversial or make people angry or whatever, is putting it somewhere in the agenda that makes sense. So nothing is worse than starting a meeting with a very volatile topic and going off the rails within 10 minutes and then you spend the rest of the meeting just kind of wandering all over the place and the rest of the agenda just gets completely ignored and everyone leaves frustrated. In that case, what I like to do is maybe start with a couple of easy topics, maybe then go to that topic, or sometimes book in that topic against the end of the meeting. So maybe the last 15 minutes of the meeting, you say, mm, you know, you're purposely working these topics in order, and you, you save that topic so that you can say, you know, I realize this topic is contentious. We're going to spend 15 minutes trying to see how far we can get on it. We have a hard stop at the end of the hour. And we'll set up another meeting or come back to it at a, at a future meeting. So that's, that, that's where I think that, that comes in really handy there. And then time allotted or planned, I like to, sometimes I'll be very explicit, I'll give a time allotment to each topic. So if I've got an hour meeting and I have five topics, that means each topic can get 12 minutes. Or, you know, and maybe I don't need to break it down that way. Maybe I know that some of my easy win topics are five minutes or 10 minutes, but Sometimes doing that time allocation can also give you a clear sense of, oh my goodness, I've got like, there's way too much material here to cover in this hour. How am I going to go about that? How am I going to solve that? So yeah, so that, those are my thoughts around agendas. All right, the cat agenda. And one thing, I actually did watch this webinar that you and Mike were on last night, 
And one thing I really liked about the time part that you mentioned about the agenda is if people are <laughs> yeah. hung up on a particular issue and just beaten at a dead horse, you can be like, hey, look, the agenda says we only need to spend 10 minutes on it. We're at minute 20. We got to move on. You know, the agenda. Says, so you're not the bad guy. Oh, I'm, oh I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, the, the agenda. In fact, yeah, I, I gave everyone permission, whether you're the facilitator or not. The agenda is the perfect thing to blame. Not, nothing's worse in, you know, human interactions. To, when you blame, at least in my experience, when you blame someone, like things never go well. <laughs> but when you're blaming the agenda, the agenda is not a person. And so, yes, it's the perfect target for, the agenda can hey, that's defend itself. You can just beat it up all day. Yeah. So, so you can, you know, and you can, it can be, well, that's not on the agenda. So we're not going to cover it today. Or yes, it's not the time allotment. So yes, the agenda is the perfect thing to blame to keep the, to keep your meeting on track or to get it back on track. Doesn't always work, but I'd say the, the percentages are pretty good. Two quick questions before we move on to P people is yeah. do you send the agenda out ahead of time and do you give people the capability or or yeah, just the ability to add or take away things from the agenda if they're Absolutely. a part of the meeting? And that's the beauty of this approach to the shared document. So I try to do it, if you do it too far before the meeting, people procrastinate and forget, including me. So I tend to do it like the night before the meeting, the day before the meeting, 12 to 24 hours. I'll say, hi, everyone that's invited to the meeting, which is the smallest of people. We'll get to that in a little bit. Here's the agenda for tomorrow. Uh, please add your status updates to your appropriate sections and uh, answer any of the questions that are there. And... If there are other t topics you want to discuss, feel free to add them at the bottom. So it, it gets people... So a lot of meetings focus on collecting status, which I think is a huge waste of time. So I find this also saves that too because there's, you know, the development team can provide their status. You know, they're two weeks behind schedule and their mitigation plan is this, that, and the other thing. Well, there's no need to discuss that at the meeting because when we get to that part of the agenda, it's already there. We already know what their plan is. No discussion needed as opposed to the more traditional approach, which is, you know, at the meeting, development, how are you doing? Development, oh, we're two weeks behind schedule. And then there's, you know, lots of drama and discussion and, and all that. And so, yes, the, the pre-review can save a lot of time. I will say sometimes not as much time because people are busy and distracted and they don't get there to do the updates in advance. But it, over time, I think it, you can create a culture that says, that agenda is going to be there. I'm going to look kind of silly if we get to the meeting and my part isn't filled out and I'm not ready to talk about it. Yeah. And the nice thing about the shared document is that people can see their up, your updates in real time. So if you're doing it two minutes ahead of time, people know if you're doing it you know, an hour or two hours, giving people plenty of time ahead of time, mm -hmm. also people know. So if maybe a, a CEO or your boss is, is on that and can see it, that's a an indicator that well maybe I should be filling this out because there's nowhere no place to hide really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool, well, I like it. All right, so we've gotten through the the minutes and the agenda. Really good. Do we have another set of acronyms <laughs> under this people? For people, we have we have the right people. The right people. All right. R I T E. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought you were just saying one thing. No, no. So, right. so the big takeaway here, and this 
this is a tough one. And and so, you know, this is people are kind of the most volatile ingredient in a meeting. And this is a tough one. I'll, I'll say that, like, I totally get it that you can't just may you can't just wave a magic wand and just say, I'm only going to invite the people I want at this meeting. I realize that doesn't always work. That's often, though, what I am driving to. So when we think about the right people at the meeting, R stands for responsible or accountable for taking action. In other words, they can we'll come back right back to it again. They can contribute to the discussion and they can make decisions. Nothing is more counterproductive than people that like to give their opinions, but they can't really or don't want to contribute to the solution or the actions involved. Uh, I stands for informed, and this is actually uh, something you don't want. Attendees that simply need to be informed, in my opinion, are not necessary, particularly if you have really good minutes. And we've already talked about the minutes and the agenda and how that all builds up. But And I've used this in a number of cases where someone said, hey, I really need to come to your meeting because um, I really need to know what's going on. And my response is often, what do you need to get from the meeting that you aren't getting from the minutes? And they're like, well, I don't get the minutes. Like, oh, no problem. I'll add you to the list. And, you know, that can be a, a productive way to handle that. But I often find that that person that just needs to be informed, that promises that they won't speak up, suddenly in a moment of passion around a topic that they really care about, have all kinds of things that they want to contribute. And then, depending on the person and their role and all that, can tend to derail the meeting. So again, I'm always coming back to, how can I keep this meeting from getting derailed and moving as smoothly as possible to the end to get to my final destination? T in our acronym stands for timely. So I want people coming to the meeting that can make timely decisions, take timely actions, or coordinate with the right people to get those things done. Uh, also related to this is to show up on time. And uh, that one can, you know, <laughs> sometimes I've, I've worked with teams where there's just someone that's just chronically double and triple booked. And so maybe they aren't a good fit for the meeting. Maybe they can send someone else that can be there more consistently on time. And then the last one is E, R-I-T-E, eight or so people, no more than 12. This, again, can go against typical meeting culture. Uh, I find that when you get beyond eight, nine, ten people, the efficiency of the meeting, just by nature of human beings being involved, <laughs> goes down. And so I try to keep it right around that 10 or 12 number. The way I do this is... I try to figure out, like, for a particular project or product release that I'm working on, what are all the teams involved? And then I've, once I've identified all the teams involved, I'll go to each of those teams and try to get one or two, preferably one. But in a lot of cases, some, they, you know, a team wants to send a backup person. So I have kind of a, a standing rule that I'll, I'll allow two people from each team to come to the meeting. So that means that if legal needs to come to the meeting, they can send one person, they can send two, but they can't send five. And I've gotten, not from legal, legal is kind of a, that's, that's not a real life example, but, you know, typically with other teams like development or release engineering or quality engineering, again, based on my software experience background here, um, having that limit in place doesn't, does a couple of things. One, it keeps the meeting small. Two, it tends to mean that when I say to development, you can only send two people, they send like the two people that can actually like participate in the meeting because they're going to have to participate in the meeting because they're not bringing all 
five of their other people to answer questions as they come up. So that's the idea behind the right people. And I find that having the right people makes the agenda and the meet, the minutes and everything go a lot smoother. So you're saying people actually want to come to meetings? Because in my experience, the people I've talked to, especially developers, that's the last thing they want. They're always trying to get out of meetings. But, it, uh, but it, it can de- be both ways. Yeah, it, it can go. It can both ways. You're right. You're right. Typically, the developers writing the code, yeah, they're just like, meetings are wasting my time. And I would, I would tend to agree with that. And so sometimes I'm surprised because, yes, I would prefer to have like the manager or the team lead at the meeting. Because at, at the type of meetings that I'm leading, I'm not in the details. I'm not telling them how to write code. I'm not, we're not talking about, you know, what's the best way to implement this API. It's more, you know, do you have what you need? Can you meet the schedule? What do we need to coordinate? What problems do we need to solve that involve the wider team? But what will happen sometimes is the manager comes and then they bring the lead and they're like, well, you know, we need to bring these three other people so that they know what's happening. And that's when things start to be like, well, why do they need to know what's happening? What's what's you know, what's the situation? So why can't they read the minutes? There you go. Yeah. (laughs) And I like that that eight to 12. There must be something about that, because I know in the scrum methodology, too, they suggest that you never have a team bigger than eight or yes. the uh, the two pizza rule. Your team yeah. shouldn't be bigger than uh, than the amount of food two people two pizzas can actually uh, serve a meal to. Now, I was thinking about that when we were getting ready for the webinar. I thought, you know, there's got to be some research around that. There just has to be. But yeah, I haven't I haven't dug into it deeper. But from my personal experience, yeah, eight to ten is is kind of the sweet spot. Okay. Yeah, because we almost feel like at, at AE that eight is is starting to push the upper limits of it uh, mm-hmm. because after that it it's just a lot of back and forth and if everyone wants to have a little bit of input that time starts to add up even if it's only 30 seconds and 10 people 30 seconds that's 5 minutes each little little action item that you go through that can uh, can start to slow things down a bit right but i have a friend at well, one company i think he attends a weekly staff meeting that's 20 or 25 people and it's like like how can I mean, when wow. was when have you ever heard of anyone say anything good about a meeting with twenty people in it? Like it just, I so I don't know. My contention is that people just kind of think they're a necessary evil, and my contention is that they are not. That you can streamline it, you can get it down to those, you know, one or two people that need to be there and make those decisions. Well, I guess that's a nice segue to the next question that I have. Your acronym, uh, which we can put in the show notes, uh, maps, uh, having making sure that the uh, you've got the the right minutes, the right agenda, and the right people is more of the what, but what about the how? Like you just mentioned that people feel like it's a necessary evil. So what do you do, or do you have any suggestions for changing company culture or company ideas around meetings besides listening to the show and, and maybe getting your course? Yeah, so th- that's a tough one because I think, well, I think it starts by leading with example, it's leading by example. And one of the really great things I got out of this project management training that I did, that particular course that I did on meetings, was the instructor encouraged people to see what they could get away with at meetings. I thought that sounded really funny. But but her, <laughs> her suggestion was be brave. See how many F-bombs you can drop. Yeah. <laughs> see? No. It was more It was more like see see what you can do. In other words, it's easy to look at a, a, look at your situation and to say, 
yeah, my company would never change. There's no way I could uninvite these three people from the meeting. There's no way I could start a new meeting. My, my, my response to that is, you'd be surprised what you can get away with if you go about it the right way. So if you're in a situation where you have this 20-person meeting that isn't working, one thing to do there is to, you know, especially a little hack here is if you have a reoccurring calendar invite, set that, adjust that calendar invite to end at a certain point. It just, at a certain point, it just stops reoccurring. <laughs> Some people will notice, a lot of people won't. And three or four weeks later, that meeting is like suddenly disappeared from the calendar. Some people will be like, hey, we're not having that meeting anymore. Other people won't even notice. That's always, a, that's always an interesting one. Oh, man, that is a good hack. And um, this actually reminds me, too, when you're talking about the, um, the, the people and having the right people on, um, episode 38 with Patrick Hart, he talked about a meeting he set up with his boss to say, hey, what do you actually want? What are some of the outcomes that you want from this meeting? Do you want me taking notes? Do you want me? And the boss is like, oh, you don't even need to be there. Um, yes. You can be on this. And it's just he bought back so many hours of his week because he got out of two or three meetings that were weekly standing meetings that he basically just had to buck up and sit there for. And now he was able to produce bigger projects and give more value to the company further right. his career along. And it's just basically, you know, not going with the flow, seeing what you can get away with. And he asked for permission first, but sometimes you just got to, I don't know, ask for forgiveness. Right, right. So and and so I've phased out meetings. I've let the meeting know, hey, you know, over in, you know, we're going to be phasing this out and starting a new one. And so depending on how you phase it out, then it's it's restarting with a new cast of people, you know, really having a conscious um, conversation with yourself or others to say, who really needs to be at this? Well, first of all, why are we even having the meeting? What do we need to accomplish? What are we going to decide and discuss at these meetings? And then based on that, who do we really absolutely, what's the bare minimum of people we need to have to do that? And so then setting up a new meeting to do that. And then, you know, so, so yeah, my encouragement would be if you're wanting to make a change is to try some of these things, maybe try to introduce some of them gradually and you're going to get some funny looks, you know, like, what do you mean there's a Google Doc for this meeting? Or what do you mean we're all going to look at the minutes as you take them? Isn't that your job? And and it's like, well, yeah, ultimately, I'm responsible for creating the minutes for this meeting. But I think if we all do them together, they're actually going to be better. They're going to be more accurate and you'll actually get them sooner. So humor me and let's try it for the next two or three meetings and see what it looks like. If it's a horrible disaster, we'll just stop doing it. But if it works, maybe we want to keep doing it. So, yeah, I would encourage trying those things, running experiments, introducing them gradually, and uh, and and then iterate. That's a that's a good hack. I think I remember first reading that in Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Workweek. Just saying it's an experiment and then just sticking with it. <laughs> if if nobody well, tells you to stop, especially if it's working. Like, how do you if if ever if the meetings are better and things are flowing better, why wouldn't you want to keep doing it? And if it's not, why would you want to keep it? the same thing. Nice, nice. Well, John, I want to respect your time. Before we get into my last three questions, which have to do with a book, a tool, and a ritual that you find useful to your life, I have one question. It's kind of selfish, but virtual meetings. These yes. are things that I am a part of. Actually, in fact, this morning we had our monthly Asian efficiency meeting, all hands on deck, 
And um, I wonder if there's any strategies that you would suggest to improve, mm, I don't know, people paying attention when they can hide behind a computer screen <laughs> and maybe swing a kettlebell in the middle of the meeting. Not saying that happened this morning, but it might have happened this morning. If, if, <laughs> well, to me, it would come back to, you know, if people are tuning out and not paying attention, why? Do they not need to be there? So I guess maybe I would start there in terms of uh, encouraging engagement. Yeah, video helps because it's hard to hide when you don't have video on. The shared document helps in terms of, you know, taking notes and, and seeing engagement there. The facilitation can help too. So one thing that I'll do at a lot of my meetings, again, when you've got this small, tight team it's really easy to notice when you have a meeting of 10 people, it's really easy to notice that like two people haven't said anything for 30 minutes. And so one technique here is to call on those people in a nice way, but you know, Hey, you know, we've been discussing this topic at length. It sounds like we've really got consensus as to where we want to go. We haven't heard from, from Joe and Fred and over here, like, what do you guys think about this idea? Are you guys on board? So Sometimes kind of reaching out in a nice way or sometimes I'm more direct is just, you know, hey, Susan, you had a really strong feelings on this topic at the last meeting about the direction we're going. We haven't heard from you at all at this meeting. What are you thinking? And then she quickly I'm thinking puts I was her, playing Candy Crush. Yeah, she quickly <laughs> puts her phone away and is like, uh, no, I'm kidding. So, yeah, so those will be some ideas there. But for me, I would keep coming back to why aren't people engaged? Because mm-hmm. you can do all the, you know... You can do all the little tricks to force people to be engaged, but if they're not naturally engaged, there's something else going on and the, the, you're not going to get that really good engagement if it's forced engagement. I guess that's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, there's a deeper team dysfunction if everyone's just checking out. Nobody really has any passion for anything. You almost want a couple arguments every once in a while. Right. That means people care. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, John, again, want to respect your time, so let's dive into those last three questions. And if you have any suggestions for a book that would help people become or has helped you become more productive, uh, would you share that with us? Definitely. So one I just read was uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, Mike Vardy interviewed him on the Productivity Podcast. I think it was the January 1st episode of this this current year. Um, Really, really good book. It helped me to be just more cognizant of the distractions in my life. Um, Newport is really negative on using the inter- he puts it using the internet for entertainment, um, whether that be social media or the news or whatever. So that's been a really, really good just kind of wake up call and just just a reminder about focus, being more focused, and also like that being focused is a muscle that you've got to build. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to work on that muscle right now. Wonderful. And actually, at least the current lineup of the podcast, he is coming on next. I talked to him oh, yesterday. Uh, and it was at the Dojo Book Club. And Mike and I both have geeked out on it. And in fact, he's creating a webinar on deep work. Uh, yeah, we're obsessed with that book. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm oh, glad he said that. And Cal uh, had some personal insights for me that have already, it's just been, a, a actually it's been two days since we talked. I'm like, you, you're my new guru now because he helped me maintain my focus through my slumps of afternoon mm-hmm. and this, these, this productive meditation concept that he has in deep work. I actually didn't like it when I read it in the book, 
But then when he explained it to me personally, I was I gave it a try, and I'm a fan. So cool. I'm I'm so glad you you mentioned that book. No, it actually ties into my third ritual or habit, but I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. All right. Uh, well, before the the ritual, what's the tool then? Trello. I love Trello. Oh, I know some, yeah. I just, you and I are the same in the same boat on that. I'm a big Trello guy, too. <laughs> so whether it be, you know, and I have a bunch of different boards. In fact, this this might sound crazy, but I even have a board for like the house, the home. Um, and so my wife kind of is not a huge she's I don't know she's kind of getting on board I guess but you know often and I work from home so I'm always around you know there's there's that constant like hey we need to do this or this needs to be fixed and so (laughs) I'll be like well just create a Trello card and then you know on Saturdays we can sit down and you know prioritize the backlog which she doesn't like but uh you know just (laughs) well maybe you can call it something nice yeah that would probably be a step (laughs) in the right direction um but what I really love about it is it and I use the same thing. So for work, I have the same thing. I've even done it with some of my the people that report to me, just kind of in terms of tracking, not watching over them, but just kind of like, hey, here are all the things you have going on. Do we all agree on the priority? So that's kind of, I guess, the overall theme that I really love about Trello is it allows me to prioritize stuff. All right. Well, a, a little hint for your wife <laughs> or uh, for you um, is Nikita <laughs> and I, my girlfriend and I, call our board homesteading. And we have How to Make Kombucha, which we're planning on doing this weekend. We just went to a funky chicken home tour, and we realized the Y-dot chickens are the best ones to have. So when we move out of our apartment, we're going to get some of those chickens for some eggs, which would be fun. So maybe maybe a new name will help. Okay. <laughs> and maybe home we should study. put some, maybe we need some fun events there too, not just work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. that always helps too. Oh, you're helping improve my marriage. This is great. The, you know, all kinds of productivity, <laughs> productive marriages. All right. And then the ritual, let's, um, you said it tied to deep work. Yeah. So, so uh, I just wanted a, a disclaimer here. It was funny because I was talking to someone the other day about, they're like, well, I thought you were doing, and I was like, yeah. So what I'm trying to say here is I find my habits and rituals ebb and flow. So if you talk to me, you know, 12 months from now, this may not still be my ritual, but right now it is getting up at five, between five and five thirty, and immediately going for a walk for thirty to sixty minutes, depending on how much time or energy I have, and um, and no matter what the weather is. So it rains a lot in Portland, so I've got my clothes ready, I've got the rain gear ready. If I look out the door and I see that it's raining, I have waterproof shoes, I got the hat, everything, and um, I just find that's been really good towards like clearing my mind. I stopped drinking coffee for three months. And and I was, so instead of like going coffee first thing, it was exercise. And I've just found that to be really good. So on those walks, I've done some of this, what did he call it? What is it? Productive meditation where mm-hmm. I've like, where I've like tried to work a problem in my head. And it's amazing what, what comes out. It's also amazing just as I'm walking, I try not to listen to anything for, I just have silence for the first half of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't listen to a podcast or anything, even though I love listening to podcasts. And it's amazing the insights and things that will pop into my head of, oh, I need to do this or wait, I could solve this problem this way. And so and that, that's that was the difference. I, I felt like I was using my time walking the dog or um, doing dishes when I was listening to podcasts or listening to audiobooks. It seemed like I was, you know, I was like, this is extra productive. I'm doing chores and I'm learning. But that quiet and actually trying to work out a particular problem is actually has three times the productivity. You're, you're going to be able to get that project done quicker because you've got some insights. 
around it. And, um, and then you've done that tour, you've, you've gotten that exercise. Um, so I, yeah, I'm a big, big proponent. And then there's it, a fourth, there's a fourth payoff too, which I often see then when I sit down to actually do work that I need to concentrate, mm-hmm. I really feel like my concentration level is increased. Like I'm oh, able to yeah. focus more. Well, that was, and actually, because I only said two of them, that was the third payoff. I just couldn't think of it, and you reminded me, is that increased ability to of, of focus and concentration, because it's just like a meditation. If you're, let's say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to work on this one problem, and as soon as you find your mind wandering, you can just come back to that, that problem, wanders again, come back. This is exactly how you do meditation, whether mm-hmm. it be with the breath or a mantra or um, or whatever it happens to be that you keep coming back to when you notice your mind wandering. And and bringing it back allows you to hold your attention further, which is basically dramatically increases your ability to focus, which is, I don't know if it's ironically, but it's, that's how Cal starts his day too. He gets mm. up at, uh, I don't know if he's doing 5.30, I think he's doing 6 o'clock, and he runs to the uh, uh, up, up and watches the sunrise, does some pull-ups, and then runs back because he just wants to get out in nature, get some movement, and I think that seems like a great ritual that that many people should uh, consider trying, maybe myself included, because I <laughs> wake up and I drink some coffee. So, All right. All right. Well, John, thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much for the time. I will link to anything that we might have talked about in the show. Is there any place where you want to send people online if they want to connect with you or thank you or find out more about what you do? So uh, johnpolster.com or johnpolster on Twitter. All right. Well, thanks again, John, and look forward to, I'm sure we're going to, maybe next podcast conference, we'll, we'll connect soon. Sounds good. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Polstra about meetings. It's an important topic and one that we have not yet dove into on the podcast. So I'm glad we were able to touch on that topic. If you want to check out the outline that John talked about, the MAP, the Meetings Agenda People, as well as his sub-acronyms. We've got it all laid out there in the show notes for you at theproductivityshow.com forward slash 87. I also wanted to end with a quick iTunes review. These are so nice. They warm my heart. Uh, They make me feel really good. Sometimes they make me blush. Uh, And this is one of those by Prototype 5 is the iTunes name and his titles Worship the Site and Podcast for All Productivity Related Materials. And he says, absolutely love listening to this podcast on my morning drive. Helps me pass the time while sitting in traffic and also learning about being more productive. Thanks for everything you post. You guys have truly helped me make sense of GTD, getting things done, and have changed my life. So thank you so much, Prototype 5, for the kind words. And if you're not doing one of those productive meditations on your drive to work, which you'll have to dive back into deep work to see if that's something you're supposed to do, if drives are all right, or maybe just walks, uh, then please listen to the show and subscribe. And if you guys feel like you're getting some value on it, an iTunes review is always appreciated. We'll show you how to do that in our show notes. And I want to have you guys thinking about next Productive Monday. We are going to have Cal Newport on. It was a great call. We actually even have a bonus episode next Monday. So look forward to that. And until then, plan, do, review, organize, prioritize, eliminate the unimportant, delegate and automate what you can, focus 
on your most important task. Take care of yourself, find momentum, move towards your ideal, achieve anything, but not everything. Enjoy this life, do more, and be better. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next Productive Monday.